0: Hello, so, welcome back to the Black TV Shows podcast. I am your host Miriam Tomeskin, and I'm here with Shani. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm good and I'm always glad to be back. I've been on the move though. So this is this is slowing me down and I'm glad about it. I know really? cuz like work feels like it's a revolving door and I already feel weird not podcasting anyway cuz like people be all like
0: you still doing the podcast?
1: <laughs> I very well am still doing the podcast. Are you what's you very well are not, but I digress.
0: <laughs> but- yeah, it's 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 my fault with my <laughs> schedule because of work. Uh, it's hard to schedule things when I work a seventy-hour work week. But the show is over. Uh, I'm currently unemployed, but hopefully I'll get onto another show. So I, in the meantime, we're gonna be recording episodes. Today we're gonna be talking about A Different World season three, episode sixteen, A World Alike. This episode aired February fifteenth, nineteen ninety. And uh, this was written by Susan Fallis and directed by Debbie Allen. And basically the episode is Freddie and a transfer student Julian uh, Julian, (laughs) plans to Mm -hmm. protest South uh, African apartheid cause. Uh, Kim uh, has to reconsider accepting uh, a scholarship that she received. And I just wanted to get some definitions of words that were used multiple times in this episode that I really didn't know very well because... I didn't grow up in this time so apartheid for those that don't know what that means the implementation of maintaining or maintaining a system of legalized racial segregation in which one racial group is deprived of political and civil rights and then another word that was used a lot in this episode was divest which is depriving someone of power rights and or processions I didn't actually know what that word was. Like, they kept saying it, and I was like, what is this mean? I don't know what they mean, and so I had to actually look it up, which is pretty sad, but uh, this is the reason why, like, I didn't grow up in this time, so I didn't... We don't use those words nowadays, Um, but... we don't. (laughs) Yeah, but it was used a lot back in the 90s when they were dealing with um, the government in South Africa. Um, My knowledge of South Africa is that, you know, Nelson Mandela was in jail for so long and uh when he was freed he became the president of the country. Um that's how far I know about South Africa history and all that stuff. But I feel like back then it was a big part of the culture and that's probably why it was in one episode of A Different Worlds because it was taking over the media at the time.
1: I concur. It 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 was a big thing. Um especially Um, I I think it was really because South Africa was was still technically enslaved. And for one, you know, back when America was a great country, uh, we actually used to care about our people wherever they were. And well, for one, I mean, Africa, that's the motherland, literally. So anything dealing with the motherland, anything dealing with, Um, the ongoing of Black life we were interested in. And I think the culture back then was kind of like a, like get back to that. Or I'll just say it is so easy to live, quote unquote, American, where something like a broken phone charger will, uh, what's the word I'm using? Will, um, will inconvenience a person, but then it's like, "Hmm, you think you got problems with this messed up charger. Let's talk about, I have nothing to charge or let's talk about what even is a charger. How is a charger made? What, like, there are more things that are to be considered and in america they make they make it a joke and they call it first world first world problems but it literally is first world problems <laughs> but it was so easy to get wrapped up in that and also so easy to not pay attention to literally the world around you and i think that's how we as a culture had gotten to this place it was the 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 matter of that this place exists and in schools they diminish it they by trying to make it seem like it's less than what it is at the time they were teaching that africa was just a wasteland or really they were trying to uh reduce africa to like one chapter in a history book And and really, what they taught from there was slavery started in Africa, and then here we are, America. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. Yes, slavery happened in, uh, in Africa, but let's talk about, one, there were two different situations with slavery. First, we had the African royals, and they enslaved their own people, which... You know, that's just history. We can't go back and tell these people, hey, y'all was wrong, y'all, y'all crazy. I mean, we can feel that way all day long. These are people that we literally had to read about to learn about. And then secondarily, let's talk about how slavery started because you people in America or in the colonies were literally lazy and did not want to do your own work. So you go overseas to find people who are looking for work or who would just like to feel like they're a part of society. You brainwash them and you beat them into submission and here we are. And you're sitting here like, or y'all are teaching this lesson, like, you know, and they lived happily ever after. No, (laughs) y'all have bypassed entirely too many years in history to give me this plain little one-liner about something that is so historic. So uh, I think I think back then that's when uh, we were kind of uh, regaining, not regaining. We were taking it back. We were taking our culture back. And I think the idea was to uh, to get back to focusing on Africa, and then let that. Uh, let that positivity permeate into American culture, and I, I think the goal was to kind of and when I and I say this rather lightly, but like how we now have Juneteenth as a holiday, how we now recognize um, Black history for what it is, how we learned that Black history is more than MLK, Rosa Parks and the Freedom Riders or just civil rights altogether. I think the goal was for us to have this energy that we have now back then. Debbie Allen and all the showrunners, they knew the impact that they were making on the culture already. And I think this was an opportunity to kind of double or triple whammy it. It was to talk about it, To teach and to let it be a call to action.
0: So, we start this episode out uh, with, you know, Whitley trying to figure out a dance that she's trying to do, but there's too many people making noises for her to do her, like, counts for her dance and figuring out, I think Mm -hmm. she's also figuring out, like, lighting and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because, you know, Dwayne's on the light and then there's someone that's playing playback and uh, she's telling them, like, you need to stop what you're doing. And they're like, stop what? (laughs) Like, they're like, They were confused by it. Anyways, we find out that Whitley is doing an Alvin Ailey dance tribute that apparently is too long. uh, And Freddie's telling her (laughs) that she needs to shorten it. uh, Originally, uh, Whitley said five, but Freddie was like, no, 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 four. Uh, So then she does the dance again, um, and Dwayne is on the lights, making sure he points a light at her. But then Dwayne got distracted by that girl that walked by and removed the light from Willie. And Willie's like, no, 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 where's the light? I'm right here, you know?
2: Exactly. And Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, but he, he got distracted. Anyways, then so she continues dancing and all of a sudden a man comes in and watches her. And he recognizes, he mentions that he recognizes it's a, 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 a Ailey work. Uh, and mm-hmm. we find out his name is Julian. And uh, when Whitley introduces herself, she says Whitley. And he's like, "You look like someone like Camille." And I'm like, "That's kind of that part was weird to me." I was like, "Just call her Whitley. Like that's her name." And I mean, she's just basking in it. I'm like,
1: "We are literally meeting, and in, in the first thirty seconds, you changing my name."
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I got a no problem with
0: that. <sighs> yeah, but. Mm, 80s romance. I mean, 90s romance. Yeah, and um, so Julian is an ex- a exchange student. Uh, he uh, exchanged from Georgetown, which I've been to that town actually. Uh, in, D- uh, in D- it's in DC, D- right? Or so, in the DMV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, he's he also is still undergrad, but he took a couple of years off to do research. Oh, the colonial. colonial, yeah, uh, economic. Nigeria and Senegal. First of all, wouldn't that be part of his schooling? Why did he? I don't understand. What do you mean by he took time off to research? Isn't that like schooling right there? You know,
1: it was really giving me Shaza vibes because (laughs) what are you even talking about? It sounds like he started out as like a foreign, not foreign exchange, but like in an exchange program and then maybe fell off of school and then Mm -hmm. like picked up where he left off. I was always under the impression that he was a grad student and had finished his, his field work, but, I, but now I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, cause, cause also I was thinking too, like at this point, Whitley is 22. How old are you? And how many years did you take off? Cause Yeah. Again, you you look a little old to be talking like like are you Jalisa here? Yeah. Like let's let's talk yeah. about it. if you took some years off Teresa. Oh wait, did he did he pull a Denise or whatever? So I don't know. Maybe he pulled a Denise, maybe he's Jaleesa, maybe he's a mixture of both. But um his educational background is a tad bit fuzzy. And
0: maybe that's one purpose. But after he plans to work for the state government and serve his country. So, uh, or or he said after grad school. So I guess he is going to go to grad school. Uh, so then Dwayne inter- interrupts their conversation, saying like, "You're in the in the way, like in the light, you know." And he's like, "Oh, so sorry, I like." But um, he's looking for Freddie. Uh, uh, Julian's looking for Freddie, and. Whitley was like, Who do, why do you need to see Freddie? And apparently they're on a committee together, uh, the Hillman Students Against Apartheid. They mix uh, flyers between um, via this particular event that uh, Willie's dancing for and the... Boycott. And Freddie comes and says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry for the mix-up and all that. And then they were talking about, like, oh, we're gonna organize the boycott. And then Willie is, like, wants to know everything all of a sudden. Because, like,
1: it's hard enough to get Whitley to understand anything academic. So, like, to be talking to somebody who who has the hardest time with academics, who is talking as if she is like so politically uh aware. And and even then it's like saying the most basic things and just piggybacking off what's being said. Like, girl, you don't even know what you're saying. Stop it. You you you're better off just you, you better off the handle. Like, look, I like what I see. Cause he, I mean, the boy already changed your name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I am I know it seems like I'm dwelling on that, but like, don't come to me telling me that I look like a Whitley and I look like a Camille.
2: Y'all were going
1: No, I can't, I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, Whitley was really like itching the heel of my foot. Which <laughs> she was trying to act like she was all politically aware, and that's not to say that the girl isn't smart, because she very much is smart. It's just uh, there are th- th- there are some balls that she drops in
0: certain areas. So we're at Gilbert Hall and Fred is um, with Walter trying to get all the information of all the companies that uh, they do business with at Hillman uh, to just make sure, like, because she's the one that's in charge of making this list for the boycott list of places of companies that they're not going to use because they are still, you know, um, they still have their companies in South Africa because they're, the point of this is to, um, to put a, a sanction on South Africa for what they're doing with the government and all that. So Freddie's in mm-hmm. charge of doing the research of all the companies that are supporting Hellman, and Walter is giving her a bunch of like journals to look at, and he tells her don't don't take them out of um, of uh, of the Gilbert Hall because it's under his library name, and you know he has, he doesn't want to be in trouble for losing a a book. So she goes through mm-hmm. it and oh yeah and then also he was like so she likes through it and at this point Whitley comes <laughs> and asks like a mil- a million questions about Julian and she's like I don't have time for this and then Kim comes and says I, that she is awarded this pre-medical scholarship which you know that so that Kim for her to be able to get a scholarship and now she can give up <laughs> the unit for the lab coat because they're also offering her a job um, I was like, "Oh, finally, Kim! She's getting something great because she cut mm-hmm. off all the last <laughs> years, okay? and now she's able to yeah. relax a bit and mm. and do something that she actually enjoys." Yeah
1: I, yeah, I was proud of Kim doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, and she's like, "Okay, hey, I guess I'm gonna go to the pit and give my two weeks' notice." She goes and does that with uh, Mr. Gaines, but before that, um, you know Kim, uh, sorry Whitley is just all over Freddie uh about Julian and like Freddie's just like I don't want to hear this <laughs> like, I'm, I'm over it and then no, that, for that's real. When we... like I, I don't know
1: Freddie didn't just go off on her, so... girl shut
0: up yeah and so then Kim gives her two weeks notice to Mr. Gaines but already bad bad things have happened because of Clarence who is this like a new employee that he has all of a sudden, and that he like messes up on every little thing? <laughs> you know, so Clarence Peel has a very short-lived
1: career. At the bit, I don't know what he's one of those characters that just got thrown in. Um, you you don't see an introduction of him. He doesn't yeah. have a real backstory or or any backstory for that matter. Um, yeah, I think he was just supposed to be, uh, I think he was just supposed to be quick comedic relief. Um, but I think what got him saying, he, cause he seems like he's a one episode kind of guy, but I think Clarence Field probably had about maybe five or six episodes Did he? or at least like, um, I, I don't know. I don't, don't quote me on that, but I remember hearing his name um beyond this episode he's the one that like just keep messing up um and i mean like you're at a burger joint like you or not even just a burger joint you're at a food establishment you can't be messing up especially with the way that Mr. Gaines was explaining how he messed up like i don't know like like Mr. Gaines you know that that man has a big heart because in the real world Clarence Pill would have been without a job. Or he at least, no, I'm not going to say that. Because places like The Pit and places like Burger Joints and stuff, they're actually more resourceful. So they probably would have made him like a custodian or a busboy or something. But being a cook, he would not have been. Because mm-hmm. bubbles in my burgers is crazy. Yeah and then he That's said disgusting. that you found bubbles after he ate one.
0: <laughs> which is even worse she's like I, I want to give you my two weeks notice and he doesn't want her to go but he knows what she's the opportunity that she's having is actually a good opportunity and so he's like you better mm-hmm. be working your butt off until the very end and not slacking and she will replace mm-hmm. uh, she will train the replacement for her so she, and she's happy that he's very understanding about that then we pan over to Dwayne and Ron, who see this girl go by, but they only see her, her butt. They don't, they don't see her face, and so then they're like,
1: "Cause I, I I just remembered the scene that you were talking about, and it gets me every time."
0: <laughs> yeah, and then she turns around, and her face is like her. It's it's. it's I think it's her jaw, like her. It's her, her or her jawline is very seen in this. And that's what makes her like she very unattractive. that is serious. Yeah,
1: and 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 I and I hate to be the one, especially after I've gone through having braces and all of that. Like she, she she had uh, some teeth on her.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I also think the 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 comedic trope in that too is that I that was like literally a thing that they did in the '90s.
2: Was they the they would,
1: they would, they would sneeze or do something that would <laughs> uh, subconsciously catch the attention of a woman that they were looking at from the back to see oh. if she was, you know, if she was just cute in the body or if she was also cute in the face.
0: Um, oh, I do not.
1: Weird flex, really weird. If she was a butterface. Or not and a butterface face is somebody who is cute everywhere but her face leave it to ron and leave it to dwayne to be childish <laughs> in such a way
0: and then we pan over to see whitley who sees julian sitting there studying um it looks like it's well it is french and you know so, oh, you know Whitley and her French. You know she says some words. I don't know what any they said to each other in French. I have no idea. I'm sorry, guys. I I took like French class in grade seven, and eight, like beginners, and then I gave up. I just all I know is German, Pelmiere. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, hey, so you, the, you you got farther
1: than me because I didn't I, expect
0: that. <laughs> well, bonjour. You know, come ça va? Ça va bien. You know, that's about it. <laughs> Mercy. I know.
1: I know. Bonjour. I know. come Comment, comment tell vous I know. Mercy. Um. I know. <laughs> this sounds. This is really typical. But I know. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like from um, Moulin Rouge. Right. Yeah. So it's a and and um, Julian are talking, and you know he asks his, like what she's studying. He, she's saying art history. Um, and uh she's into this one uh artist who apparently his uh um his brilliant sculpt the the person that he sculpts and uh I guess dated uh was also named Camille and I'm like, hey, okay what, what is it- what is your point? <laughs> just get to the which is i think her his point is i i want go on a date with you. that was the point, but he should have like, gone he- straight he there the back
1: around to wit- so what so. Um, it's like, oh, goodness. Julian is one of those intellectually cheesy guys Mm -hmm. because she knew nothing about Rodan's lover when, when he first said that she looked like a Camille. Yeah. And so here we are now with this wraparound conversation. Now you finally connected some dots. Mm -hmm. to let it be no i mean like we knew that you liked her back when you was changing her name but like now we're understanding why you're changing her name and then uh it kind of makes you think like you know if y'all didn't even cross paths in in this particular scene we wouldn't have known anything yeah or just how far would you have gotten wait a minute, probably not far at all, because the rest of this episode is based off of them and their conversation.
0: Yeah. Yikes. And then, so yeah, Yeah. so she, so they make a date for tomorrow at 7, and Ron can overhear their conversation and says, it's disgusting that he he would call her Camille. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a thing for Muslims, I'm like, what?
1: And of all of all Groups of people. You chose Muslim to come up with the name Camille. Are you crazy?
0: Yeah. I know. <sighs> he gets on my nerves.
1: He gets on my nerves.
0: Yeah. But the good thing Dwayne oh, says God. let it go. Just let it go. And that's what that's what happened. And mm-hmm. so then we're at Gilbert Hall and Whitley's wearing this sweater. She's not like we're not used to seeing her in a sweater. But she's wearing it for her date, which is you know, Kim's like, What? You're wearing a sweater and jeans for a date? That's I gotta call I'm your mother. Calling your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh and apparently um Julian is different. Uh and uh Kim was like, How? How is he different from Dwayne? And you know, Dwayne is uh sweet. Um I forgot how she described Julian. Julian is I guess a man basically, not sweet. <laughs>
1: Right. Like it's <laughs> Whitley was, I think Whitley was really just trying to say anything that she can um, the, to where she did not have to say anything along the lines of, well, I just find him attractive. Or something that said, that that man is fine, Or, he different. It's different. Like, she she didn't want to just you know, leave that uh, out in the open because she was already being questioned mm-hmm. um, and I, I think she's also self-aware of of how bougie she is and how nitpicky she is when it comes to literally everything we have the, the moment of them mm-hmm. in Brooklyn them sharing that moment and if y'all didn't watch that episode of when Whitley Daddy get married go ahead and watch it the chemistry between Dwayne and Whitley was very clearly building. And part of me wants to say that we have seen this episode um, when they find out that, that Denise is married and they share that kiss in the cold. Yes, mm-hmm. because we covered that episode, didn't we? Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds familiar. That's the CUF Bingo episode. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we see that that these two people clearly like each other. They didn't kiss. We don't know how many times. Like, so we have we have that, and then to have your friends zeroing in on that whilst you are in the middle of trying to uh, date somebody else. I mean, I've been in Whitney's position before when it's like, don't talk to me about that man. I'm talking to somebody else, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: or I'm dealing with somebody else, or hey, he in my back pocket. We just go boy, yeah. Um so I understand Whitley being in that situation but also Whitley is very bougie and Whitley just wants what she wants when she wants it and Julian is the kind of guy that um that would, you know, technically be perfect for Whitley as far as uh, because cuz at, at up to this point we see that julian is a guy who is uh who clearly has lived the same kind of upbringing as whitley as far as being well traveled um well informed in areas of art history and uh i guess with julian uh, with julian's age comes the wisdom that he has but at the same time um he and whitley were kind of still matching each other Intellectually, and well, I just—I I think I'll go ahead and say all of them. Um, even though they all weren't in the same grade level, they were all smart on some higher level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Julian is the type of person who is smart, and he and Whitley match intellectually, but Whitley can still learn from him, and I think that's one of the things that Whitley was like silently holding on to. And I think that's kind of what makes him uh, like maybe the best candidate for someone that she dates because of those factors. And Dwayne, Dwayne has a perfect score to his math SATs.
0: Well, Freddie comes in and uh, says the bad news. Uh, she has found out some uh, news about o- Orange Glow Soda um, and oh, and yeah. before that uh, Kim was like oh you heard the big news that Whitley's wearing a sweater with jeans and she's like what? and then she's like no no, no I got something bigger and uh, we find out that Orange Glow Soda is the largest employer of Hillman's students um, but they have not divested from South Africa and uh, Freddie was like or uh, Kim was like they did 3 years ago and she's like no they lied they still have like their uh factories still in um in uh South Africa and so mm-hmm. they so this is a problem because they you know support the um, the chem lab they support the library they su- support the engineering lab um mm-hmm. and this is when Kim finds out that they also fund her scholarship and Mm-hmm. All, all of a sudden she's like I don't know what to do like I guess I, I, I might have to give back the scholarship which that means she has to go and do two jobs next year just to you know make ends meet yeah it's it's not, not great for her like she's just like I don't know what to do and then um Whitley blames Freddie for telling him about this whole situation, and she should have withheld this information. And Freddie's like, "No, I, I'm not withholding any information. People, everyone needs to know." Like, she even told the newspaper about this whole thing already. Um, and it's you know, it's really bad that there's right now 28 million P- uh, South Africans that don't even have the right to vote, which is, by the way, a lot of people <laughs> to that cannot vote. Like, that's a that's a lot. So Kim isn't sure. If she might give back the scholarship. She might, uh, or she might keep it. We don't know. Uh, she's just unsure about it. But she's worried because, uh, because of her dad's medical expenses, uh, they are tapped out. Um, I have a question, just because I'm not American. Mm-hmm. If if a police officer gets injured on duty, all their medical expenses do get covered, right?
1: So I think it could get. A little sketchy somewhere on a surface level, yes, that's, what, yeah. that's what's supposed to happen in in situations like that, there are one so many police officers who uh, who endure um injuries on the job. Um, so partially, they're like, well, you know, this is what you signed up for. Sorry that this happened to you.' Um, but they, they only, they have so much money allotted per officer. Mm -hmm. And even then, like the money that's allotted per officer, that's, that's the amount of money you get after there's so many, so much money allotted for the precinct, the ward. Um, and after you go through everybody's, um, salaries from, from the chief on down. Um, there are insurance policies that are in place. And I personally feel like they worked Kim's dad's story the way that they did to, just to try to convey another story. Um, I don't think we were supposed to be thinking deeply about the details when it comes to like the care of a police officer, because in real life, um, if Kim uh, if if Kim's father was injured,
0: especially on the job,
1: Kim wouldn't wouldn't have needed to be having this conversation about, but,
0: yeah, so I was gonna say because so you know every after every episode, I go on bD just to see if there's any facts. And someone wrote mm-hmm. saying that, you know, you know, Kim tells uh, Freddie about how she. You know, won't be able to pay for tuition money because of her father is on disability and medical and medical expenses. And it mentions that Kim's father is a police officer who was shot in the line of duty in a prior episode. Since he was injured on the job, his medical expenses are covered by the city slash state in which he works. So that someone put that in the thing. So I'm saying that this, this is partner, correct. So this part of the storyline doesn't make any sense.
1: (laughs) Not, yeah, not completely. Um, But there can be, there are still factors that can go into these things. Um, It could be that it is covered for a certain amount of time. Or it could be, we'll cover this much. And you covered the difference, um, and then we're dealing with um, we're dealing with a GSW, which is the gunshot wound. So we got we have to pay for your hospital stay. We have to pay for the insurance that's going to pay for your hospital
2: stay, and then we got to pay you to not be at work. And
1: you're going to have to go through something like physical therapy and uh you literally cannot work. So now it's it's a matter of we're going to pay out what we can while you're not working until you can possibly uh you know be on your feet and then come back to work. Or or we we're going to carry you for 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 so long, and then you might have to figure out a specific amount of time of how you're gonna take care of, of bills and things of that nature, because it could be a situation where he's not bedridden, but he he's also uh, done with therapy, so now it's just a matter of relearning on your own, applying what you uh, what you. Go through in physical therapy and things of that nature, and then even still those bills linger
2: you you you
1: more more often than not, you are not paying the bill in full unless you have unless there's like an amount that insurance pays, and then you pay i don't know let let's say if if you have a medical service that totals to about 1500. Insurance can say okay, we'll pay 1100. You're still left with 400. And so um I feel like if we're going along with the storyline, realistically that's probably where Kim was at or where Kim's dad it was yeah, they cover this amount of money But then we have to cover this amount of money. And on top of that, we got a kid in college. And it seems like Kim's dad is probably the only person who was working between her parents. Mm -hmm. Um, We never really learned too much about Kim's mom. But it, it could be easily implied that she was a housewife. Yeah. So... With that, you don't have much of an income coming in. and um and one thing that uh, that I didn't touch on either is that you remember when um what, at the height of Kim's dad and and him being shot, uh, they mentioned something about um hardship. And Kim was like, "No, nah, we don't do that." So for Kim, Kim's living a pretty tumultuous life when it comes down to how funds have to be allocated, how she has to live her life, things of that nature. So I I just know that this whole scholarship thing has to be beating her skull in. Because I can only imagine, like, uh, because clearly there was no financial aid or uh, or there, there had to be an issue with financial aid which is why she's trying to get a scholarship. Well, at the same time, I wouldn't be trying to check out any loans either. But there are so many factors that could contribute that might already be contributing to uh, to this entire experience. But I know for sure, like if I were Kim, I don't
0: know, I don't think I would know which way was up. Well, Freddie said she'll help out, you know, um you know, any way she can. And then Jaleesa comes in and says that Whitley's date has arrived early or we find out she arrives early and apparently there's a lot of mm-hmm. sharks. Uh is that how she said it? There's a lot of sharks. Or or what, what? I forgot. Oh my God, something I like the sharks are biting or Yeah, something like that. Uh wait, let me see. oh yeah, they're they're all are already circling around him. And um so so she goes and um sees Julian and we find out the reason why he's early is that he has to cancel because uh Orange Glow is um hasn't divested from South Africa and they're gonna do an emergency meeting uh tonight. And so he yeah, is just asking for a rain check, basically. But he, I feel like he could have just called her on the phone, you know, instead of coming all the way physically.
1: Yeah, because in that moment when he said that I was just thinking like so, well, whose idea was it to come up with the meeting, and how did y'all figure it out? Because well, he was this girl to say.
0: Yeah, but it was Freddie that she because you know how she Freddie mentions that um, she told the newspaper already about the whole thing, so now I think everyone knows. Yeah. My God, and, where
1: the mouth used to travel much faster.
2: Than yeah.
0: It does now. And so then uh, Whitley was like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. And we'll." have a day another day. Um, and then she mentions that Kim got a scholarship and that uh sh- she doesn't want her to give that up. and uh he's she's trying to get trying to get Julian on her side about that. And Julian's like, no, everyone has to give up their scholarship uh so that we do a, like a full- on boycott against orange soda. And that's when they start to have a fight, basically. um, and <laughs> I love how um Whitley was like, your rain check just bounced. <laughs> Just bats, buddy, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> oh man And see this portion of the episode always kind of gets me because
2: it's like, dang, bro, like, they do everybody, yeah,
1: like I see what he's saying. I mean, I mean, I, I get why. I yeah. think. I think one problem that I have is inserting myself in a lot of these situations. I I just don't think that I would
2: I don't know, like I think eventually I probably would have made the decision to give up my scholarship.
1: But I mean eventually would have came like maybe a week or three later.
2: Um I think on I was that passionate. day
1: in that moment.
2: I, I would it. feel
1: the same way that you know, and so I would feel like I need this money to continue myself going to school. And on the other hand, it's like this money is keeping my people down overseas.
2: That is true.
1: As big of a country, country company as Orange Glow is. You think a little breakaway from Hillman is going to break them as a
2: company? hmm <laughs> But they are trying to make it's, a stand, you know? Yes, and by all means, <laughs> make your stand. It's just,
1: it the way Julian was laying this all out, Mm-hmm. He was laying it out in in a in a way that seemed like once Hillman says no, we cutting all ties with y'all, then they as a company are going to fall. Yeah, he, he was he was explaining it in a way as if Hillman would be the straw that breaks the horse's back. My thing was like they're a corporation; that do partnerships all the time. One partnership is not going to wreck the ship like what but in the same breath they were taking a stand and they were making an effort to make a difference if oh, i was God. a
0: student that, i would i would have cashed that check and i i wouldn't blame you <laughs>
1: <laughs> i would not have blamed you but that does that sound selfish if this is a black if this is a white school oh definitely actually wait this was a white school i probably would be getting more money (laughs) if i were getting money at all
2: yeah see this
1: is going to raise plenty um, of interesting conversation y'all send us an email let's talk about this let's take this beyond the episode because oh my goodness
0: so we're now at the emergency meeting, uh, and Julian tells everyone that they are applying to do a total bo- boycott of orange soda or orange glow soda uh, well. products, mm-hmm. um, and then they will also, uh, you know, uh, stop the funding that they do for or financial ties that they have with Hillman, which you know includes, cool. um, you know, funding a bunch of programs um, and also. Um, uh, also for uh, scholarships and mm-hmm. uh, so everyone's like all saying like what are you going to do about that like and even Duane's is like also oh, it's funds the engineering lab um, so what are we going to do and then Ron makes the, an idea of saying let's just use the alumni money <laughs> and uh, Walter's like no 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 the, look at the gym that we have it it, it will everything will fall apart <laughs>
1: Yes, because Ron said something like we need that oppressors' money and I'm like, what the <laughs> hell you do? Like, what do yeah. you mean? And if you don't know, as a listener, I'm going to let you know. The alumni dollars, however great they may be, will never solely be enough.
2: Yeah.
1: One, because all of the alumni are not donating.
2: hmm
1: like the, the 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 alumni that you know of that are donating are the people who are who remain active with uh with the school and the organizations of the school after graduation. They are the alumni that you see at at every homecoming every year. Um there might be a building named after them, or they may contribute to a building that's named after somebody. They are the alumni who, if every freshman class has something new on that campus, outside of that that class, be, uh, that class's tuition, the alumni dollars are, are mixed in with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when you say something like, use the alumni dollars, what alumni? Because at this point, all we know is Cliff and clear. And you're not about to save the whole Hillman off a cliff and clear salary. Yeah. Not after they take care of them five kids and them four grandkids. Make it make sense.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Make it make sense. Um, And uh, so Walter and Jalisa suggest, like, why don't we uh, ask them to give us more money for scholarships and to also bring uh, South African students here to Hillman? Um, as an uh, alternative instead of you know totally boycotting the system and uh, you know they're saying well no we then that means we're accepting their money and you know it, we're not we're not stopping this whole situation and then all of a sudden Whitley comes in and says my roommate Kim Reese uh, got a scholarship and I don't want her to give it a- like <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the, Kim Whitley, was like no you, no no you work uh, don't talk be um but yeah, so then was all,
2: the like,
0: yeah, yeah and then all of a sudden Kobe comes up and, and says you know uh, he agrees of the divestment, uh, you know the, from south africa but he doesn't agree with uh, any student giving up their scholarship uh, because his education has been found, uh, funded by the fact that his father worked in a, a factory that um cost uh, that paid him 17 cents an hour which is so low um, and uh, and then uh, when he is when he is done uh, with Hillman and graduates, you will go back and continue on the struggle. And then Mul- Mufa- what is his name? Mul- Malufa. I don't know if I'm saying his name. Oh, uh, right. Malefe. N- Malefe. Uh, he says, well, he can't go home because when at at age thirteen, he got arrested for being in a protest, and many of his friends died in that protest. Um, you know they might not agree on addressing this problem, but they have to somehow agree with something. You know um, that something has to happen. Yeah, that something has to happen. And um, Kobe continues on and says, you know, when you're when you're in South Africa, there are two different sides. There's the the rich side and the poor side. Um, you see the black people that are on the poor side that are dealing with. The struggles that they're dealing with, but then you see the the nice lavish life that the, the white people have and I love how Whitley was like, you don't see any black people that live the same way as the white people basically in and then he's like no we you we do not see that um and so like basically like I see I, I like Kobe is saying that yes, we should divest, but we also do not give up our scholarships you know i I'm for that. You know,
1: right. It's like, you know, keep the agreement that you made to fund this person's education because you have already said that that's what you were going to do. And not only that, you you said you were going to do it. And and now if you stop. And you in the middle of of all of this uh, discourse. That's happening to South Africans while you are still in America. That's a slap in the face. Also, it was very clear that you weren't caring about about who you were, uh, whose education you were funding over on this side of the equator because why are people thinking that you divested and they had to learn that you, that you didn't or they had to learn that you, di- that you lied about it. Mm-hmm. And as a company, Normally, when you're lying about stuff like this, you, you do other things to help
2: keep to help bury the lie and to keep it buried. So. When. So when
1: you told the lie, you thought that just telling the lie was going to be enough. Why didn't y'all have the wherewithal? They, they know that they're doing wrong. They know yeah. what they're doing and they know that what they're doing is wrong. And yeah. they should have been trying to write that wrong.
0: Yeah, and so Walter asks that Orange Glow uh, or Hillman puts a timeline on Orange Glow to divest. Um, and that's the hope that they that basically that's the summary of this whole meeting. And so Whitley asks uh, Kim, uh, so are you going to keep the scholarship? And she's like, no, I'm going to give it up because later down in the future I, like, I want to know that I made a stance with what I what if with what I was given basically and um Mm -hmm. and she said she'll she'll manage um with the two jobs next year and uh then she realized she forgot about her job at the pit that you know how she already quit um so she goes and runs off to uh get that job back and julian talks to willie and basically they just gave each other a bunch of insults to each other to to the point where they're like let's have dinner together and then it ends like that (laughs) Like, that's not how you ask for dinner. Oh my God. So cheesy. They're they're weird. She
1: was ripping him a new way. And I'm not going to lie, like, Willie was making me proud. Mm -hmm. Because she she started off from a superficial point of view and started off only caring about Kim. Yeah. And, And then she kind of shifted her focus and her focus came from or her focus shifted to still keeping Kim at the forefront because that's that was her personal connection like yes you could have you could have let the South Africans be your focus because they are literally having this done to them but Mm. um but for you to have a personal connection you know just all the more reasons for you to care. Um, So it started off with just, I don't want my roommate to lose her scholarship because if my roommate lose her scholarship then she ain't gonna be able to go to college and I ain't gonna have no roommate. And now what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have to go to Columbus to go see this girl or I'm gonna have to fly her out and no, that ain't cool. She changed it from that to, this person has a very promising future and she's not the only person that has a promising future. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of, her not being the only person with a promise of future. This person is my person. <laughs> like, this is my best friend. This is my roommate. And she, amongst the others, su- It's suffering. And we need to find a
2: change now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like, um, it seemed like she was
1: doing her good thinking in this meeting too. Because one, one thing that she said to uh, when Ron was saying what he was saying about using the alumni dollars or whatever, when she said, So, how do you think? How do you? Wait, no, it might have been Julian that said something. But her response was, So, how do you propose we do that? Give the library back book by book? Yeah. And what she said to her was, Ooh,
0: <laughs> yikes. <laughs>
1: Okay, Wendy,
2: I see you because
0: she has her own mind.
1: mind. Am I supposed to get this, am I supposed to give the library back book by book because of the company that you know? So like and, and she was she was connecting the dots as to uh you know, if we do this, then this will happen. Um, and I think essentially like they ended up kind of I mean, would you say that this... No, this ended up, like, in a a win-lose. Not really sure if it's a lose-lose.
0: It's a win-lose, you know. They're not fully boycotting, but they are going to try to get uh, Orange Glow to divest.
1: Yeah, but, but like, Whitley... um, When she had that conversation with Julian, and he said... uh, and he said something like, you know, I'm not really, sh- I'm not so sure that I was right. And she was like, you weren't,
2: but you were bullheaded. <laughs> yeah.
1: I say, you go ahead, Whitley.
2: <laughs> you go
1: ahead. Because, again, like, th- this is one of those type of situations where you have to agree to disagree. Because you're literally damned if you do and damned if you don't. hmm and mm, everything is a toss-up. Literally, you, 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 you got to you got to your hands up and just deal. Yeah, whatever that looks like. Yikes. Yeah. So,
0: um, Kim goes back to the pit to get her job back, and automatically she gets her job back right away. And finds out that uh, Mr. Gaines is returning all of Orange Glow uh, syrup. Ah, uh, because that they haven't divested, and so um, she he gets her to uh, box it up, and then Clarence is still there holding uh, a cleaner, and um, Mr. Greens is like, like, what are you gonna do? Trying to smell the ammonia? <laughs> like
1: he might as well just fire him. What are you doing, young man? What are you
2: doing?
0: I know.
1: Like, but again, it's Mr. Gaines and that part of his.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: and and I guess it's like the unwritten story uh storyline, or no, not unwritten. Well, yeah, let's say unwritten and open ended, mm-hmm. because you know we can literally pull a, a storyline out of thin air, for yeah. Clarence Field, but. Even still, what will remain constant is that while he is probably somebody who does not need to be working at the pit. Yeah. Mr. Gaines knows that this is a job that he needs. On top of Mr. Gaines probably needing him. I mean, yes, he can get anybody from out of the dorm, but like he got who he got, and so who he got, he needs. <laughs> so one of the reasons why the show is like top tier top two and not to because you can see it I don't know M- maybe it's the super fan in me but like when you analyze the characters and when you watch them watch them operate enough and when you when you're able to watch an episode and not feel like you're just pre-watching an episode when you're able to like to dissect what's happening and when you're able to pay attention to to what's taking place. You you start to, I'm just gonna say you're you're able to to see things more for what they are. And Mr. Gaines and that big heart of his is one of them. Like you can already tell that off-rip Mr. Gaines has a big heart because he's just this grandfathery person to everybody on campus. Mr. Gaines is the one person that you cannot be mad at. Um, even though he's never really been in a situation where he's, yes, he has. <laughs> he stressed out Colonel Taylor a lot, but that was like on some brotherly friend type of stuff. But even still, like Mr. Gaines is, even if you got mad at him, you couldn't stay mad at him. And I believe he's, uh, he's the glue to the entire cast. So when you see little moments like that,
2: for me, it just drops in my spirit like that was Mr. Gaines. Just a sweet old man. You know,
1: I I feel like if we would have had Vilma on the show more, <laughs> if they had the pit as like a family owned restaurant, oh my God. Kim got her job back. Uh, after she went to Mr. Gaines and was like, yeah. I want my job back, whatever. And then they ended the episode singing the song that they were dancing to at the beginning. And it's all unifying and
2: hula la,
0: hula la, And it's like, oh, look at y'all. Uh, we had a few guest stars. Uh, we had Domin- Dominic Hoffman as Julian Day. He Julia. played
2: Kent. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he played Kent oh, sorry, he played Kent mm-hmm. in season two. That's what I was trying to say. Thanks, Sujay. Yep, yeah. So, yeah, so he is back playing a different character like every other actor that has done it in the 90s. Uh,
1: between the Cosby show and a different world, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then we had Abner Mara. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but as Kobe. He's been in multiple other episodes before. We had Ron uh, Maru. Oh, you did Ron Maruquin? Yeah. Maru- I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Mbattu or? Oh, Malefe. Oh, Malefe. Why am I getting a different name? Okay, that's weird. Okay, uh, he also has been on. He does multiple.
1: have different names.
0: Yeah, oh, okay. like so
1: through throughout the episodes, he's had different names. So like the episode. When you know Math is is beating Whitley's head in, mm-hmm. um, his name is like Ma- Malufango or something like that. Oh. I know it's not Malufango because that's food. Yeah, his, his name is something like that. And then on another episode, his name is Malik.
0: Um, and then there's five other people that were part of that band.
1: Oh yeah, you can follow me on the socials. Um, I'm on TikTok at Tiny Bigs. C-I-N-Y-Y-B-I-G-G-S. Um, my name used to say Jaleesa Vincent on there and it used to say Khadija James. But people were actually, you know, thinking that those were my actual names. And I was living for it for a while until I realized that, like, people really don't watch TV. So, uh, and because I'm trying to make my mark as Shawnee Showbiz I went ahead and just put "Shiny Showbiz" as my nickname on Twi- on uh, TikTok. So if you try to find me, then you will see "Shiny Showbiz" with a microphone. Also, if you are a listener, um, can you like DM me that you're a listener? Because I have a lot of people. Well, not a lot, not not really. Um, but there are people who randomly follow me on TikTok, and then they be in my DM like like it's cool or like I invited them, you know, and then, yeah. Um, but also I just would like to uh, to know that you're a listener that would just, you know, make my day. I haven't heard from Nathan in God knows how long. Me neither. Um, I think we're connecting on Facebook. Maybe I should, you know, just shoot him a message like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, cuz I feel like it's at least been a year. Yikes. Yeah. I think it's also the
0: inconsistency that I have had this year, so No,
1: please don't don't give up on us guys. We we like we live, we live lives. Like yeah. Lives. Um where else am I? You can find me on Twitter at I love Them 90s. Um I'm really just talking to myself on there and people might, you know, respond to me, but um yeah, you can find me there. Uh, where else am I? I do have a Facebook page now that says Shani Showbiz, so you can you can like that page, you can follow it. Um, I'm on Instagram at Damn Girl, you know everybody. Um, and somebody found that hilarious recently, so shout out to you. Um, is that on? Yeah, because that's all that I could think of right now. But I'm currently working on a website where I can uh, receive bookings for uh, you know for my uh, shows that or for things that people might need me for. So be on the lookout for that. I in August hosted a comedy show, and in October I will be hosting a fashion show. Um, so. I'll have a story, <laughs> I'm sure uh, about that. But I am very much excited, and I am really just just excited to move forward in this career that I'm building.
0: I Follow Black TV Shows Pod um, on Instagram. Uh, if you do have any feedback about anything, uh, uh, email Black TV Shows Pod at gmail.com, um, and that's about it. I think. Yeah, we'll see y'all in the next one. (laughs) Bye. Bye!